You sound very close to my inner brain. I'm just in your head, Alex. (laughs) Hello. Hello. (laughs) How are you today? Um, I'm I'm fine. I just made a carbonara. Nice. Yeah, it was lovely. I'd give it, I don't know, maybe a seven on the carbonara cup. Carbonara-nometer. Okay. It's from Ellie's video when we made a carbonara video. <laughs> <laughs> have you made it many times before? Um. Yes, I have. But the carbonara not cup. I can't. Even... <laughs> carbonara-nometer <laughs> is only a recent thing, so I've only judged my last kind of. They tend to be sevens. Oh, okay. Really. I mean, seven's quite good. Yeah. I'm quite harsh on myself, so. Okay. Are you are you marking yourself down? Um, sorry, there's a link there between what's going on right now with the A-level exams and... Oh, yeah, totally. Marking I think down. that's ridiculously unfair. I've been reading all the young people's tweets on what they call Twitter. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that, yeah. How would you have done if, if it was you being involved? I don't know. I mean, I got um, an ABC in my... Easiest one, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, because my the psychology A-level I did, I basically did it in a year, because computing and geology weren't... I wasn't going to take them to A-level and realised I only had two A-levels and blah, blah, blah. So I took psychology in one year, and for my... The AS thing that I did in January... Um, I did really well. It was like an ace. Well, there wasn't A stars back then. But you would have got them. But it was, yeah, it was really good. And then I just, I think I lost interest in the subject. So for the actual A level, A2 side of it, I didn't do as much work as I probably should have. So if they were going by like, I mean, I didn't do a mock, but if they were going by that, I probably would have done slightly better than (laughs) the exam. Yeah, and then they would have downgraded you to like you know an E or a U. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think I think yeah, music and geography probably would have been about the same. What about you? I think so. I did music, French, and maths. I think I'd I was predicted better in music. I was predicted an A star, and I only got an A. Sorry to disappoint. Um, because I don't believe in the A star as a, an actual grade. Thank you. You have exist. to get yeah. You have to get ninety percent at, at A two, and I got not to show off. I got ninety nine percent at AS, and then oh, I okay. found out just before the beginning of A two that you had to get ninety percent at A two as well, and I was like, oh, sod that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but my maths, I was, I think I was predicted quite low. I felt like I was always bottom of the class. And I remember failing my mechanics mock because I thought it was rushed and I was doing things my own way. Um, mm. And then I ended up getting an A in the, in the exam. And I don't think my teacher remembered because <laughs> I remember going to him on A-level results day and he like took me to one side and he was like, did you um, get into university? <laughs> 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 I was like, yeah, bitch, don't worry. So I think I'd have probably done better in music and a lot worse in maths and probably worse in French if it was if I was getting my results yesterday. Gosh. Mm. I remember getting my results and going, well, I 
I didn't get my place in Nottingham because I think they wanted to, like two A's and a B or an A and two B's. I think it was two A's and a B. And I was like just devastated. And I remember going round to my, I think I went round to my piano teacher and was like, I don't think I've got into Nottingham because uh, I haven't got the grades. And she was like, just don't panic and phone them up and see what they say. And I remember phoning up someone at Nottingham University and they were like, yeah, no, you're you're in. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I think I did the whole like screaming down the phone thing. It's crazy because think about how many people's lives would be affected if you hadn't got into Nottingham. Mine included. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Profound There's a, yeah. Well, we might as well start with we, um, yeah. how we need to go on. <laughs> Okay, should we talk about your extra pieces that didn't quite make your top seven? Let's. Take it away, Amy Summers. The first one is Tears Dry on Their Own by Amy Winehouse. I'm really disappointed with myself that Amy Winehouse didn't make my top seven because I listened to all of her stuff like all the time. I'd, I'd just go into like, her as an artist on Spotify and click play and just listen to everything. But for this particular track again it's just so personal like it always always picks me up and I play it whenever I need a boost of like inner confidence yeah it's kind of resonating now because I'm in my like mid-20s I guess now so I've, I'm kind of in that I always think I've finished it and I haven't but I'm probably still in that like awakening of self-awareness and self-growth and self-respect and like it's all a process and a destination all that kind of stuff but yeah I for a long time I'd never really believed that I could be like really genuinely happy being on my own because I live with one other person but I'm quite alone a lot of the time and very single and (laughs) (laughs) I really want to enjoy being free and independent and I kind of did like 60% of the time before and now it's up to like 95% of the time, possibly more. Yeah. Um, I had such a great time in lockdown, just on my own in my studio, like kind of working from home and jamming in my spare time. And I'm much more self-aware than I used to be. I know what picks me up. And that's what the song is about for me. Yeah, I like I love being in my own head now, whereas I definitely didn't before. I didn't as a teenager. Um, and I realised that all the bits about my personality that make me sensitive and make me overthink and make me, like, they can give you awful lows and insecurities, but also they're the bits that make me really, like, crazy excited about bits of music and harmony and, like, they bring you the highest highs. So... Yeah. And I get such a high off listening to like exciting music and writing exciting music because that's just what my brain has always done. So, you know, I'll never need to like take drugs because mm. <laughs> my brain is just, yeah, I love being in my head now. Also, it's the same chords as um, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Is it? It oh, is. Okay. I think it's deliberate, but I love that song. I love the Diana Ross version. All I can ever be to you is the darkness that we know And this regret I got accustomed to Once we walked the ride when we were at our high 
looking for you in the hotel at night. I knew I had him at my match, but every moment we get snatched. I don't know why I got so attached. It's my responsibility. And you don't own nothing to me but to walk away. I have no capacity. He walks away. The sun goes down. He takes the day, but I'm grown. And in your way, in this blue shade, my tears dry on their own. Uh, some Michael Jackson next. Yeah, I hardly ever listen to like sad girl music nowadays because I did way too much of that in my teens um listening to like really sad songs um probably just hormones and they really do affect your mood so yeah I hardly ever listen to stuff but a bit like the Ella Fitzgerald you need time to just allow yourself to be sad sometimes and I just think the song is really sad and yeah you just need to like have a bit of a moment sometimes yeah there's a there's another song that I like which is um Gregory Porter take me to the alley it's kind of similar vibes just just where you can put your headphones in and like cry and go to sleep and the next day you're fine so would you say, is that the song that does that for you? Is that the piece of music that does that for you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It always makes me suddenly very emotional. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Emotions. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't really know it until, like, I don't know, a few years ago. I think I found it back and I was like, oh, that sounds like a great song title for, like, situation I'm in so I'm going to listen to that and yeah. it fits really well She's out of my life She's out of my life And I don't know whether your final <laughs> track <laughs> it's so good um i had to put this in because i just think it's the lockdown song that nobody knows that they need okay um yeah. i i'm never not listening to beauty and the beast to be honest if i can listen to the original london cast recording then i will because i think that's the best one um mm. my uncle and is actually playing on that Recording, oh really which is how i know it i think because we had a copy in the house when i was young yeah um but it's not on spotify so i usually end up listening to the broadway version which has um susan egan in it who is meg from hercules okay but yeah howard ashman alan menken i'm a huge fan to be honest like of the disney renaissance like 89 onwards Mm. so like Hercules and Little Mermaid um, Beauty and the Beast and yeah I have a soft spot for musicals 
played in musicals in school. Like I was always in the pit band. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I just think that they're so well written and beautifully orchestrated. I think maybe that's it for me as well, because the, the smaller you go in terms of instrumentation, the more, I guess, intimate it is. And you have to be a really good composer in order to pull off like writing a string quartet or because mm. it's so exposed and all the Disney Renaissance films are like that or at least like Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid are so small like the orchestra is small so I have a huge appreciation for Alan Menken yeah I, well I've always been a huge fan of his do you know about the, there's a documentary apparently on or a film on Disney Plus about Howard Ashman Oh, really? Okay, no, I, I didn't know that. I think it's just come out. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, no, he's, like, got an interesting story. Well, yeah, it's because someone was on front row talking about him, his life, and how tragic it was because he had HIV and didn't tell anyone and, like, didn't tell Alan Menken or, like, any of his colleagues until, like, really close before he died. And So this guy in the interview was saying, like, how actually Howard himself had a huge role to play in that whole renaissance thing because it was his vision of the Broadway musical in a sort of like using fairy tale but yeah sort of different style it was like after because it didn't Disney have a bit of a crash in yeah Disney Walt Disney himself died and it was who framed Roger Rabbit that got everything up again and Disney were kind of took over from their rival companies or anything that had broken off from them. There's a bit of that, like, classic sound that they've retained. So, you know, in um, all the kind of 50s movies, so like Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty, there's always a chorus at the start. Yeah, um, yeah. And they've got a bit of that in. They've definitely got it at the start of The Little Mermaid. Yeah. And it's it's that thing when you watch Enchanted and... I remember hearing an interview with Alan Menken being like, this is like basically the story of Disney's musical journey because it starts, that first um, True Love's Kiss is that classic Disney, like Cinderella opening type oh, thing. I haven't, I haven't seen, I haven't seen Enchanted. <gasps> <gasps> yeah. Oh my okay. goodness. I'm going to, I'll watch You it. must watch Enchanted. It's great. It's a great film. <laughs> And the music's wonderful. True Love's Kiss at the very beginning is... Is it a bit hetero? Yeah, but in a very homosexual way. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, a, it's just, the whole thing is just really great. I think you'll enjoy it. So you chose Human Again, and this is the lockdown song we didn't realise that we needed. Oh, yes!
Okay. Happy to move on? Yeah. Great. Uh, so tell us... Oh, just slap my thigh quite hard. Um, Actually, tell can I yeah. go to the loo and get a drink? Oh, please do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. Can I ask you some quick fire questions? Go. <laughs> um, what's your favourite city? London. What's been the sort of standout thing that you've discovered on Netflix during lockdown? Um, oh, Killing Eve. Killing Eve, 100%. I love Fleabag to bits. I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge is just way ahead of her time and mega talented. Have you seen uh, I May Destroy You on BBC? No. Okay, so before you do that, the person who wrote that wrote Chewing Gum, which is on Netflix. And I highly recommend it. And it's really interesting when you realise, which I did afterwards, it started out as a stage show, um, either around the same time or before Fleabag, and was on Channel 4 as a TV show. I think there were two series. It's hilarious and just really great. I think you would love it. But then go on to watch I May Destroy You on BBC iPlayer, which is completely different and just incredible. Really incredible. Um, one of the most important things I think I've ever seen on TV. Interesting. And so relevant and current. It's great. Well, I've added that to the little post patpod note, so I will check that out. What's your favourite film score? I feel like... If I'm going to give a serious answer, it would be like, ask me when I'm 60, because this is going to change. This is probably going to change in like a oh, yeah. six months. But... Do you know what? Actually, probably either E.T. or... Prisoner of Azkaban, to be honest. I know like everyone says that, but it is true. I keep forgetting how much I adore the Prisoner of Azkaban score. Mm. I think it's by far the most interesting Harry Potter score out there. So much colour. Colour. We come back to yeah, colour again. And <laughs> so refreshing after the shit show that was like Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. And basically 2002 for John Williams because he overcommitted himself to too many films. Yes. But E.T. is great and that whole sequence, the escape, is it the escape sequence? Yeah, the escape thing, It's I... just so incredible. And then when you find out that they were, they had so many issues like trying to sync it up to <laughs> the thing and then Steven Spielberg was like, just play the music and we'll edit it around the music. Mm. Wow, great. I like one of, the, I think the first ever score that I was really influenced by was The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, Chronicles of Narnia by Harry Crookson Williams. Yeah. Um, I remember it well. It's so good. It, it got me really interested. I thought that was the sort of film where I had to pause the film even though I was watching it for the first time and like go back just so I could hear the music. Oh, really? Yeah. I haven't seen it actually as a film, but um, The Mission by... Ennio Morricone. Okay, yeah. As well. Great. Yeah. Apparently he wrote the music by watching... So the actor playing the oboe, playing Gabriel's oboe. Is he yeah. his name Gabriel? He was improvising just 
pretending to play the oboe and no sound was coming out. And yeah. the way that it was scored was Morricone watched the... Wow, seriously? Playing it, yeah, and then just put in some notes that like fitted with his hands. Yeah. Which is crazy because it's like one of the best scores of the 20th century. a massive Bernard Herrmann fan as well yeah um, sometimes I put on the psycho score just to be like <laughs> I just I just love that the strings yeah the just string so good. amazing isn't it It's such a shame that so many of these scores you like, you can't just access on IMSLP yet. Um, I think it's in one of the Nordic countries. The um, government like pays for um, scores to be like available. So like they kind of they fund the copyright of really? like yeah they, like so. What am I trying to say? So they provide music. And yeah. arts for everyone, so no one has to like pay more. Something that's copyrighted; it's all funded by the yeah. government. So, if I were a student there, I could just go online and like look at the score. It's worth moving, isn't it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've heard really good things about um, the conservatoires, so maybe that will happen. Mm. It's also free, isn't it? Oh, it's free. Nothing's ever free, Amy. Nothing's <laughs> ever free. Is there a peace of mind that you're a fan of? Yes, Ave Maria, hundred percent. Oh wow, um, that's quite direct. I know a lot of people have said "Lead Kindly Light," which I also love, but I think Ave Maria was possibly the first piece of yours that I heard. Um, and we did it in Barcelona a lot. Um, <laughs> too much. <laughs> um, no, I I really loved it, and I think the thing about it I love the most is the voice leading and I just I was so inspired it's probably more personal I I was so inspired when I heard it to be honest and you know there you were as a kind of role model for me as a composer in your 20s and I think you were probably one of the first like composers that I met in Nottingham slash maybe the first yeah um i'm so sorry <laughs> you should be <laughs> <laughs> what have i done and i listened to it on the train like on the way back up to nottingham when i was composing residence and i was just like oh he's so good it's just wonderful and again i think it's completely like non-judgmental of itself um it's not afraid it's it just goes where it needs to go and is so successful and oh i don't know this is why i'm a composer because i can't ever put words to anything but i'll i'll write you a piece inspired by 
<laughs> oh, that's it. that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Okay, and Amy Summer's sort of response to. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I'm, I, I find it really difficult to <laughs> talk about music, which is why I started a podcast about it. Um, but uh, particularly, like, describe it. I find I get really like self conscious when I'm, people ask me about my music. Yeah, because you, I think you often have feel the need to like give a backstory when often there just isn't one to know about you yeah I mean with some pieces there definitely is like some sort of interesting thing or like with Lead Candy Light there is a backstory and there is a reason why I think it's set in a particular way and I think there's a reason why for me it resonates in a way but that's nothing to do with like well it's sort of a bit to do with it but like the way it sort of works as a piece, like structurally and musically and all that sort of stuff. It's got nothing to do with this like little story. Mm. I look back at Ave Maria as a piece which I think is, I think what I like about it is like the economy of ideas. Yeah. Because it's quite basic and simple in the way it's sort of constructed, I think, because you've just got this like recurring, this idea that keeps coming back at like key points. Yeah, definitely. It's it's very like concentrated and focused and a bit like, what we were talking about with a hail gladdening light just it's a gem and it sets out to achieve kind of one thing and it does that so well and it's also mm. so original okay. I don't know if you think so because I never think that about my own music I always think that it's ripped off everyone else but I think that's library it's it, uh, <laughs> because I think when I it's different now because I think I've sort of moved on in my head because I used to always be like, like I sit down and write a chord and be like, but this has been used so many times and that sort of chord progression has been used and like what I'm doing here is ripping off like five different composers at the same time. Mm. Um, and I've just moved on from thinking about that. I used to think about that a lot yeah. um, when I was a lot younger, but I certainly don't. Yeah, don't yeah. this is, I think, why I'm so drawn to Jacob Colliam and his music because just the way he talks about being non-judgmental of your own music it's so hard and you've got to remember that the, the minority of people that might pick up on something is so small and they'll probably just think about it for five seconds being like oh that moment sounds a bit like this 
Yeah. But yeah. So, you know, no, nothing is original. Everything is a combination of everything you listen to and everything you love. Yeah. Yeah. Totally right. Great. I'm always right. Uh, you are. And um, thank you for all your very kind comments about Ave Maria. That's very sweet. And we will dedicate a whole episode to your music. That'd be really great. Okay, so we've done favourite scores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, and the final one, cats or dogs? Dogs, now. Yeah, I used to be a cat person because we had cats when I was little. Okay. Um, and I got my little puppy, golden retriever puppy, when I was 11, 12. Yeah. And uh, fell in love. And um, he's great. And he's just a happy dog. Can I ask you a quick question? Please do. What inspires you to keep running when you want to give up? Specifically running. Specifically running. Like, you know, when you're, you've been running for like a, a time and your body is just like, hi, huh, you, could, you could walk for a little bit now. I think there's a lot, well, there's many reasons. What's that thing where you see your body differently to other people? Body dysmorphia? That's yeah. Is that too strong? Yeah. Okay. No, I think that's the one. So I look at my body and I'm like, I'm not happy with that. So I want to change that. And... Me too. Let's bond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've got. I think I've always had that growing up, and I didn't really realize it until quite recently. I think, and I've never, I've never had confidence in the way I look and all of that sort of stuff. So that's why you I, are I... so beautiful. Thank to you. Me. <clears throat> <laughs> so that's it and then like actually the great thing about where I'm running at the moment I've got two different parks that I run around and I usually do it between like seven and eight in the morning and there's always loads of other people running not loads of other people but like people uh but there's at least one really fit guy running around as well and I'm like great I want to be like you mm. and yeah, so that's the sort of inspiration that sort of keeps me going for a bit. I think that's really interesting. Like, it's crazy because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that about you. And it's so odd how our closest friends, who we think are like just absolutely amazing, just often don't see themselves as we see them. Mm, yeah, it's really odd because like people have loads of well, not necessarily people have said to me, but. I've heard, I've heard it said that no one's going to love you unless you love yourself and that whole thing. And I've been like, well, yeah, yeah that's true. And I, I know there have been times where I've been like, I need to do that more and like just like accept what I am and who I am and all that sort of stuff. But it's really hard. It is really hard. And I think it's difficult because I think on one level, I sort of, I have. Because for a while, I've, on many sort of levels, I have just ignored what other people think, or I've just been like, no, this is, I'm so uncomfortable in my own skin. But mm. at the same time, I'm like, really not. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. There's some things where, like, I really do not care what they think because I don't care. But then the other, yeah. other really tiny things can, like, really get to me. I've, I've discovered a new word recently, which is recalcitrant. Okay. Which is like, <laughs> What's that mean? Tell me, Susie Dent. 
<laughs> so it, it resonated with me because I like I'm not a rule breaker at all, and I'll Charles Collins would be delighted to hear that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I'll, like I'll go along and like I'll play by the rules. I'm very respectful. I'm like I'm a teacher's pet. I'm you know have respect for authority and the rules. But mm. then if someone like gets it slightly wrong or there's something sudden that doesn't seem quite right, then this like sass will come out. And I'll be like, yeah. who do you think you are? Like, why do you think you have the authority to do that? Um, yeah. And I completely switch. And it happens from time to time. Yeah, and this, like, other side of me comes out, which I forget is there. And Yeah. Yeah, I'll just have a sudden, like, disregard and for everything because I just don't think that the person in front of me, like, knows what they're doing. Or, like, mm, so, yeah. I guess, like, all of a sudden I'll just have this like strong belief in like I know exactly what I think about something and I'll be so self-confident in my own beliefs about why I'm right. But I think that's quite a human response, really. Thank you. I'd like to think like that, that it makes me a Gryffindor. Because oh, it's really? this, it's the part of me that also will like stand up to close friends if like something is happening that I'd like I really don't think is right. Yeah, well, we know that is harder to do, isn't it? Standing up to your friends. But, you know, worth it for the points. tell you that I used Ave Virgo Sanctissima as my audition piece for Salford Cathedral. <gasps> no, you didn't. Yeah. Do you know, like, the, the, the popularity of that piece has, like, taken me completely by surprise because that was the sort of thing where, like, I'd done my Ave Maria, I'd been like, this is it, this is my thing. And then I was just, like, messing around and, like, playing really, like, soppy chords and being like, I love this and I don't want to share it with anyone ever. Mm. Um and it was like it was so personal and I didn't want to I didn't really want to share it because I just felt like it was but do you not think that is that's the stuff that's going to connect with people because it is yeah, so personal literally. yeah definitely and that was... I, I think that's the thing that's things like brother sister that I wrote I remember being so embarrassed by it I wrote it in such a short space of time mm. and because I was struggling with it I was like I just don't know what to do and I think this needs to be like better than this and I was just like well I've got no time now so it's gonna to have to be this and I didn't really want I remember delaying sending the pdf I do that so much because I was like I just maybe, maybe I won't have fun time to write something else and I didn't I just sent it and it like people loved it and it connected with so many people yeah I think John Rutter has said things like that before. And because he, I mean, he's been slated so many times because he wears his heart in his sleeve. 
but that's why it connects with so many people I think yeah because it's so direct and it's so you know it's coming from such a sincere place and also the people that are saying this are probably just really emotionally repressed and jealous yeah oh emotional repression right that's the title of the extra episode thank you very much Okay, right, I'm going to let you go and have a life because we've been saying goodbye for like 20 minutes. (laughs) Well, I just need to go to bed. This has been lovely. Thank you very much. Let's give it a year.